carbs. Sandwich bets are my favourite thing in the whole entire world, but one thing I actually do with a lot of people at work these days because sandwiches are hard to constantly tie down is coffee bets. And so you and I are also having some trouble sometimes finding a, a good sandwich time. Have you thought about coffee bets? How do you feel about it? I would love coffee bets. I have been known to have five or six coffees a day. Uh, what? Yeah, totally, man. <clears throat> like if, if you could, if I could hook up like an IV drip, like with full of coffee straight to my veins without dying, I'd probably do it. Yes. Yeah, it's, I love it. I love it. So I'm down for, co- I'm down for coffee bets, man. Okay. Well, I'm also a coffee guy. I would, I definitely do one straight away and then another one not long afterwards uh, in the morning. I wouldn't say five and I wouldn't hook it to my veins only because I actually love the taste of it. I love the ritual <laughs> of going to a cafe and getting it. Yeah, true. I love the taste. I love, I love changing my order. <clears throat> anyway. Okay, well, I'm glad to know. I, I had a feeling you, you were going to be a coffee bet kind of guy um, because I've actually organized a new sponsor for the pod. It's Minas Coffee. I love it. I love it. These are, well, I've heard of these guys. It's, uh, they're the Brazilian coffee roasters. Um, is it the Hibido family, the boys, for, the Brazilian boys, Hector yes, yes. and, and Hito? Now, of course, we know them only because they are deeply linked in Brazil Rugby League. Now, <clears throat> Chasing Ruse is a Brazil Rugby League sponsor, and these guys are too. I have a vague memory of maybe reading out their name when I was doing the um, uh, grand announcing for that that fantastic game that you guys organised, Chasing Roos organised with the Brazil team. But, yeah, it's that family. Um, they're, they're a fantastic bunch of, of blokes, and so I've organised some. I'm going to get it delivered to you, Carbs, um, in the next couple of days. Coffee delivered um, to me. Coffee delivered to you. Oh, I love it. I don't know how you're going to take it. You do whatever's <laughs> going to be best for you. It's okay. going to be the bean. Yeah, okay. Um, and so we'll get it. To, we'll get it to you. And I'd love to hear what you think. I owe you about ninety thousand sandwiches. So, so I thought organising a sponsor for the podcast and sending it to your house was at least one way that you know I could try and start to push back on some of the debt that I owe you. How do you feel about this? Mate, we're almost even. In fact, I probably owe you one now. That's great. I, I love it. I'm, I can't wait to try the Minus uh, coffee. Um, I'll ground the beans. I'll taste it. And I'll even do like, maybe I'll do a live tasting and we'll- uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll do a live tasting and you'll get my real thought, my real thoughts on, uh, on oh yeah, what I think about the coffee. But where, where can we get it from, man? Where, where do you get it from? I found it at minuscoffee.com.au. Um, and can I also tell you something very embarrassing- uh, about websites. I ran into someone, a thousand people at Ma- Magic Round. I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. One of them was wearing a Wolfpack shirt and I asked them, did you get that at mascotbrands.com, mascotbrands.com.au? <laughs> and I heard myself say it out loud and, and laughed out loud. So yeah, anyway, this is at minoscoffee.com.au. Uh, great bunch of people. They, they support rugby league just like we do. Get around them. Can't wait. Shall we get to the show? Tick, 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 bang, tick, bang. Old intro. Can't wait. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Ooh, what is up, Kangaroo Chasers? That was so much fun. Welcome to Chasers. The newest iteration of Golden Points. Um, I have officially taken over Carboni's podcast. It's going to be a fortnight segment, um, which will feature me, your host, Big T, drilling down into some of, the, some of the big key issues in the world of rugby league with the uncle 
of World Rugby League, Michael Carboni. Uncle Carbs is the operator of International Rugby League, which means that when people call to try and find someone else, he's the man that they contact. When he answers the phone, he says, hello, operator, how can I direct your call? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd like that. And because of this, he's uniquely positioned to give his insights in a range of growing rugby league affairs across the globe. For our regular listeners, instead of me fruitlessly trying to find more golden points and carbs each week, I'm just going to be squeezing the juice um, out of one or two each week with carbs, kind of interviewing carbs. And for our new listeners, welcome. This is Carbonara's podcast. I've just taken over every fortnight. Um, and I'm just a pretty voice at the start, really. Uh, and so we, you should go back, have an extensive look at all the other podcast episodes that Carbs and I have done. There's a thousand kind of like this at the beginning. Well, not a thousand. Maybe you did 20 or 30 at the beginning like this. And then we got very good at interviewing people. And now we are trying this again. So without further ado, our uncle, the <laughs> operator, the Roo Chaser, waiting patiently on the phone with me, Mr. Michael Carboni. <laughs> Big T. Oh, my goodness. I, you, like... How good is Big T as the host? This should have this should have happened a long time ago. Like I absolutely <laughs> love it. If you're going to give me intros like that every fortnight, I'm more than happy to to relinquish the reins. Uh, more than happy to be the guy on the other end who doesn't have to sort of steer the ship. I'm, I feel good about that. Um, I love it. I love that we're doing this extended sort of golden points episodes every fortnight because mm. the listeners, the Rue Chasers, have been have been asking for it. And um, it has taken me back. So when we first started the podcast, it was originally, you know, me and my mate talking about three topics from around the world. And then we started adding these little golden points to the end because there was so much news to get out there. And then, like you said, we started getting good at interviews and and it became more about the interviews. But we're sort of gone full circle. We're back with this yeah. new new episode or this new show called Chases. I'm talking to one of my good mates, Big T, about, you know, yes. the going-ons around the world. And I love it. And I love, I love that the old theme music is back for this one. Oh, don't get me started. I mean, I was playing it in my head the moment we cut. You won't hear it because Mercho's magic. You might check it on in the end. But the tick, tick, tick. I mean, that's that's how I fell in love with the show. So I love now that we have a interviewee. Like, it's a cycle one where we have big focus on what's happening around the world and then big focus on someone individually. Because the other thing that we was doing is we pretty much had two great podcasts that were jamming together and they were being super long. So... We, were, we both, through every single beginning of an episode, one of us would be saying, I can't wait to listen to your interview. I can't wait to listen to your interview. <laughs> yeah. And we'd be 40 minutes into the news, which was also so important and so exciting. And so th- this is the logical progression that we would split them into two things. I'm glad we've done it, mate. And uh, yeah, glad to be chatting to you again because we, we haven't done a Golden Points for a few weeks either. So it's good to, to be chatting yes. to you. Good to be speaking to you after Magic Round, baby. How was that? Yeah, um, uh, it looked hey. like you had a lot of fun. Old habits die hard because there's you transitioning this beautifully like the host of the show. Uh, <laughs> Magic Round was fantastic. You might hear myself clearing my throat often uh, and that's my body still trying to recover from three non-stop days of Just Rugby League. Now, Carbonara, this is something I hadn't imagined. or I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it until I was there, but the actual magic of it is that everything I've ever been to, maybe not the, the Soccer World Cup in 2006 in, in Germany, but outside of that, everything I've ever been to not 100% of the people there are into it. Yeah. And what I mean by that, you go to a music festival and you're going to go and see a band. Not everyone at the festival is going to go and see the band you're going to go and see. Or even during the Olympics, you go into a pub, 90% of the people are there are watching the Olympics we're talking about. It, but there is a few people who don't care the Olympics are on. In Brisbane, over Magic Round, everyone cared about football. You walk down Claxton Street and in any of those pubs or restaurants, 100% of the people, the staff, everyone inside it, 
which eat and had that rugby league energy. And it was like so invigorating. Um, that alone, like even if I, I could go to Magic Round next year and not buy a ticket to the ground and just spend time outside it, just soaking in that many people's love of rugby league. It was a real eye-opener. It was something I hadn't expected. I just, I didn't even, I think coming from Sydney and everything is always so big here that no one's ever 100% on anything, I just never even imagined it. And so that was by far and away the best part about it. Um, and the saddest part about it, of course, was I miss Rue Chaser himself, um, Mr. Phil Brown, and he and I were talking to each other almost every day and we just never found each other, which was frustrating. But other than that, fantastic time. How was it back here? Mate, it was great to watch. I mean, there was a lot of talk about all the rule changes and things like that. And I don't think, I don't know if, I mean, you're the host, so I don't know if we're going to get too much into that for this episode. <laughs> Who cares? But I, actually, I did care. I nearly switched off when the Dragons were down to 11 men, but I, I stick, stuck Oof. around. Great first half, but like, man, it just it just didn't work towards the end. But look, what can you do? Every other podcast is going to talk about that stuff. We're not really going to do that. Uh, one thing I will say, I thought, I thought it was... The, the actual event looked amazing from down here in Sydney. Yep. I was v jealous, v gel of uh, of you and and Phil up there celebrating. Um, I love the I I just love it more and more. I think it's going to get bigger and bigger each year. Yeah, um, people yeah. are talking about like so. We know it's going to be in Brisbane again next year. People are talking about you know should we move this thing around like they do in the UK, mm. like they do in the Super League, who of course invented Magic Round. Um, I and I think. I think we keep it in Brizzy, man. I think it needs to stay in Brisbane for as long as it works in Brisbane, because Magic Round to me, like we've got, we've got, or, we've got one of the Origin games, we've got internationals, we've got nines. These are the sorts of right. things we can use to promote and grow the game into new markets. But I think Magic, there's something about, it, and you, you hit the nail on the head. There's something about Magic where it's like your traditional lovers of rugby league all getting together. Mm. And um, I just, there's something about the grand finals in Sydney, Magic Rounds in Brisbane. And I'll, uh, yeah. oh, okay. That actually, I wasn't with you the whole way, but the last bit there, the grand finals in Sydney, Magic Rounds in Brisbane actually makes a huge amount of sense. Or if I'm going to, I was just about to, to play devil's um, avocado and, and change <laughs> it to move it around. But if I'm going to do that, then I'm also going to have to accept that Sydney moves the grand final. Actually, I kind of like the idea of Sydney moving the grand final, but that's not our discussion here. Look, I think I personally want it to move. I want it to be in Brisbane next time, but I want it to move to Melbourne and Perth purely selfishly so that I can then travel around Australia or Auckland and places like that totally makes, and go and see football. Totally makes sense, man. But look, I reckon sell, it, sell out every game. Like if we can sell out every day and get to that point, the moment we yeah, don't then, sell out every game again, then we move it. That's when it's time yeah. to move. Like, let's be flexible with it, but let's keep it going while it's going. I reckon it was amazing. And, and um, yeah, may it continue for many, 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 many years. And hopefully I can come with you next year. Now, I wouldn't be much of a um, referee aficionado if I didn't point out that they weren't rule changes. They were just in <laughs> different interpretations of the law. Um, I can tell you that everyone in the stands was gobsmacked as you were, particularly when um, Papali was sent off um, for tackling someone on his shoulder, accidentally hitting the guy's head at first contact. Um, your one was late on Pappenhausen. That was he wouldn't have been sent off. That would he wouldn't have been sent off last round. But in in the context of what was happening with that interpretation, it made sense. Um, But I I don't know. What what I do know more about is the expansion. So I'd rather rather not talk about the rule interpretations and and let PVL and everyone else talk about that. I really want to talk about this expansion that's probably going to happen, um, hopefully in New Zealand and and in Queensland now. The, the only show, I, of course, I have with it happening in New Zealand is that you had an incredible interview with the host of, no, not the host, the, the boss of New South Wales, uh, New Zealand Rugby League, 
And in that, he said he didn't think New Zealand was ready. So if he doesn't think New Zealand's ready, I can't imagine that the guy, can you remember, the, who, who's the guy behind the Wellington Orcas thing? Andrew, Ch- Andrew Chalmers? Yeah, Andrew Chalmers has come out and yeah. said. Uh, what do you know about this? Well, look, I only know what I read today, I suppose. Andrew Chalmers has an interesting history in rugby league, shall we say. He's played the game. He's Kiwi's played the game. He's been on the board of New Zealand Rugby League. Uh, Apparently wasn't too successful then. He's been an owner Uh. of the Bradford Bulls. That didn't work out too well. And here he is again uh, looking at this Wellington Orcas thing. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's the man for the job. I don't know, Andrew. Uh, like I said, I only just read about this today. Um, the Wellington Orcas, so the name the Orcas has been around for a while. I think there was a, the, back when we were talking about expansion 10, 15 years ago, a Southern Orcas team was mooted as like a second New Zealand team all the way back then. So this is a concept that has been around for some time. Look, I, you know I love the idea of a second New Zealand team. Mm. I think um, the Warriors versus New Zealand 2 would quickly become as big as any Queensland derby or any Sydney derby. It would be one of the biggest lo- like local rivalries in the NRL. It would be huge. Um, mm. So I'm all for that. Uh, but like Greg Peters did mention, he did open my eyes to it uh, some time ago on, on this podcast. He said, look, financially, it's difficult. You know, New Zealand, the population of New Zealand, it's actually smaller, around about the same size as Sydney itself. There's a lot of um, professional sports teams there, rugby union, uh, soccer, yeah. basketball, of course, rugby league as well. There's a lot of professional sports in that market. Um, it would be difficult to get financial clout. In terms of players, the players are there. There are so many players coming out of New Zealand. We sit, we're seeing more and more Kiwi players making up most of the NRL all the time. So from a pathways and player development perspective, it makes a lot of sense. But does it make the financial sense? If the Wellington Orcas can get a $30 million bid together, which is what they're saying, uh, and if they can sign some All, Black, All Blacks players, like, you know, Artie Sevilla yeah. or someone like that, then, um, you know, maybe it's got some legs and... Look, I think if if Brisbane two is Team Seventeen, then I think Team Eighteen it's out of out of New Zealand two and and Perth for sure. Okay, well, episode hundred and two was the one that you were just referring to about the Peters one. We've already looked at the Firehawks um, before, haven't we? Because I also think that guy came on and, and spoke to you. Am I remembering that right? We spoke to no, we, so we spoke to the then Brisbane Bombers. Uh, that was, oh, that's right. yeah, that was oh, Nick Nevermore. So he was the boss of the Brisbane Bombers. The Bombers, of course, are now merged with the Ipswich Jets, Jets bid. So it's the yep. Brisbane Jets. Um, so yep. pretty much with Brisbane, we've got look, we've got the Jets that are there, a very strong bid between the two. So you've got the you got the strength of the Ipswich Jets, that development pool south of Brisbane, and the financial clout, the the commercial clout of the Bombers bid, who are based in Brisbane. You've got them together, which is a great bid. You've got the Redcliffe Dolphins bid, which is very strong, probably one of the strong, strongest clubs yeah. outside of the NRL. Um, the, the question with them is going to be, what do they call themselves? You know, are they going to be the Brisbane Dolphins, the North Brisbane Dolphins, the Morton Bay Dolphins, the Sunshine Coast, uh, Coast Dolphins? But very different to the Jets in that the Jets are looking after or coming in from the south of Brisbane. The Dolphins will come in from the north of Brisbane and then you've got the Firehawks. So the Firehawks, of course, I'm going to guess they're probably your favourite bid because it's actually the the Brisbane East Tigers club yeah. uh, having to rebrand because you can't have two Tigers in the NRL, although I'm sure you'd love that, a Queensland Tigers and a New South Wales Tigers. 
But um, the Firehawks have made themselves known. They've been around for a little while, but they only just officially sort of announced themselves onto the scene uh, and launched their brand this week. Um, and their their I guess point of difference is they're going to be complete. They're going to be the anti Broncos, completely different to everything else that we yeah. apparently are meant to expect. And there's some great people behind that as well. So could be three very strong bids and. Um, it's going to be interesting to see which way the NRL goes if they decide to award that 17th team uh, by the end of June. I think it'll be June, July, because we're going to need at least 18 months to put a side together. That's so, I, I, it's just so exciting. So soon. Um, that chat you had with Nick Livermore was episode 76. Uh, was it that long ago? What I also really, yeah. And what I really liked about that one was he was quite um, – like open and, and really frank and kind about all the other bids. He, he was quite happy for all the other bids to exist and, and, and could see a lot of positives in a lot of them. In fact, most of my Firehawk knowledge, I think, came from that interview you did with him. Um, and today, obviously, there's been a lot of chat there. Brisbane CEO Brian Torpy, he's been out there um, doing a big chat. One thing that I really loved, which is when I started to – I think I'm still on the Bombers bid. I, I know it's now the Jets, and I think Newtown has even – talked about trying to have some kind of links with them. So I really like that idea. But yep. today Brian Torpy was talking about how, <clears throat> and I quote, our bold colours of black and orange pay homage to our history of the East, whilst the blue and gold pay homage to our home city of Brisbane. I mean, that sounds, if I'm going to go ever for a Queensland team, that's going to definitely be it with that kind of uh, colouring and, and reason behind the colouring. They're already um, so anti the rest of the Queensland, like the rest of Brisbane. You look at the Queensland sides in the NRL and they're all like NFL sort of names, Broncos, yeah. um, Cowboys, Cowboys, Titans. Titans. Mm. You're looking at Jets and Dolphins. They're all NFL names. Firehawks is unique. Wow. Um, so, and, and you know what? It's the merger of Tigers and like fire, another fire breathing. You know, they're not fire breathing, but anyway, there's fire involved. So it could be a dragon tiger. The closest we'll get to a dragon oh, yeah, tiger yeah, yeah. team. Who knows? But look, I, I'm going to make a little prediction and I'm not... It's just a thought that I had today after reading about the Orcas and the Firehawks. And th- these three Queensland bids in particular, they're all quite strong. They're all from very different parts of of Brisbane. Like it's not, they don't sort of, I don't think encroach on each other's territory or the Broncos territory too much. I think they can all be very new and very separate and help create new fan bases and help develop and all that sort of thing. I'm not saying this is the right way to go. But I wouldn't be surprised if the narrative coming from the mainstream media over the next couple of months started sounding like, hey, maybe we need two new Queens, uh, Brisbane site or two new Queensland teams mm. in the next five to ten years. I- I'm not saying that's the right way to go, guys. So don't don't switch off. Like I, you know me, yeah. I want to see I want to see Perth, Adelaide. I want to see Wellington or Christchurch. You know, I'm open to to Papua New Guinea. I'm even open to the Central Coast potentially, but um, I wouldn't be surprised given the strength for these teams. And like, look at, if you look at dolphins and jets, for example, one's in the North of Brisbane, one's in the South, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't start hearing, you know, what people from within the media or the NRL saying, Hey, let's try and get two of these in there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I think you're, you're often pretty on the money, except for when it comes to, um, Fijian football teams. And playing in competitions, but but um, so I'd take your money on it. But 
I, I, I'm all about the Perth one. There was an episode you did in episode 39, Bring Back the Reds. Or maybe, yeah, you interviewed that guy, Donnie Bell. Yeah. Um, I did the Adelaide guy. But uh, since then, I just think I've always had in the back of my mind that Perth's got to be the next one. There's a small rugby league community out there. It makes us even more national. Um, it, it adds a huge logistical aspect to it, which I, which I respect, and, I, and I'm not the one organising it, so I can understand that I, I don't fully appreciate it. But from a fan point of view, I would love a Perth team to be in there before another Brisbane team. But I can see that that's, that's a silly thing to do. There's a heartland and we've got to look after. So if two come in and one of them can't be Auckland, I think the other one should definitely be Perth. I am, I, you know, I'm a big fan of planning well into the future. I'd yeah. love for the NRL to say, look, we're, we're gearing up to 20 teams. It could be 10, 15 years away, but we want another Brisbane. We want another New Zealand. We want a Perth and we want an Adelaide. And, and that's where we're heading. Um, let's do it. You know, that's kind of where I, that's where my head would be at, but it is, I look, I love the talk every year about expansion. It it sort of gets a bit monotonous at times or it gets a bit sort of repetitive, but I feel like this year it's kind of real. I just hope we don't get to the end of July and Andrew Abdo and Peter Vlandy say, Hey, you know what? We're not, we're not ready. Uh, Let's give it another 12 months. I would hate to get to that. And, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised because we've seen it all before. What I would love is, um, if we have that team uh, idea and we put Perth, Adelaide and Melbourne on a rotating roster where they each get one game of State of Origin and then the following year they get an international. And so then those three cities, Melbourne gets rewarded because it's now a great, it's becoming a great rugby league city. Um, but Melbourne and Adelaide then have in a three-year cycle, two years where they have football there until they get a team there. So we're constantly building um, fans and, and an experience and and a love for the game so that when we do give them their team that we've been building and putting effort into those regions rather than ad-libbing and, and just choosing to go out there whenever we feel like it, whenever the money takes us there. Yeah. To actually see some investment through those through those things. I think having a third game, or for me, some people think that Origin shouldn't be what we use to, to advertise the game in Australia, which I'm happy to accept. But I actually think from a practicality point of view, having one game at home, one game in home for Queensland and then one game away is actually a really important part. It nationalises the sport so much more that there's one game in Sydney in, in Brisbane and then the other one has to be fought somewhere else by these Australians somewhere else in Australia. I think it's actually really romantic and great way to do it. I'm not going to so disagree. Having it in Melbourne, yeah. I'm not having in Melbourne Adelaide and, and Perth means that we're validating those three cities as, as football cities and that we want to be playing in front of them and that we value them as fans and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I want to do. But that's that's really challenging because of cost and... and um, and, and all of those things involved with logistics, which I think is also kind of what happened to the NARL because their West Conference has been cancelled. Um, absolutely heartbreaking because you, you and I, when we first looked at that new European um, league that was starting up, looked so exciting. Everyone was, you know, was coming towards it with trepidation because we didn't want anything to fall over or have our hearts broken. Obviously, COVID stitched it up. NARL looked amazing. There was still a large part of the community saying, don't get excited, this will probably fall over. The East Conference still looks great, but what have you heard about the West Conference and, and why, you know, what, what happened? Firstly, smoother segue in 113 episodes of this podcast or whatever it is. <laughs> um, that was fantastic. So topic two, I love it. Um, look, man, it's, it's a damn shame. Um, firstly, it's important to say that, yes, like the East Coast Conference is still going strong, looking great. Uh, spoke to my la- my latest interview was with Ryan Burrows from the Washington DC 
uh, I was going to say DC Slayers, but the Washington DC Cavalry, um, and and you know East Coast still going strong, um, West Coast a little bit different. Uh, uh, once again, it's a COVID casualty. I think a lot of people online are going to say things like "I told you so," and we've seen a lot of that. But yeah. the truth of it is, is you know the the rules in in Vegas around getting you know a hundred or so people living together in one space and playing a sport. They got very yeah. strict. The um the insurance money kept getting higher and higher, and for a new league startup, uh, it just wasn't wasn't the way to go anymore. It couldn't couldn't be done. They had to cancel. Now, unfortunately for the for the players, that's tough. I think they cancelled it quite late in the piece, and that would probably be my only my only sort of um uh that would that's probably my biggest sort of negative there. Like I, I wish they could have gone told the players a little bit earlier that it wasn't happening or let us know a little bit earlier. But I, I understand why they would push as hard as they could to get it done. And I, I did speak to Ricky Wilby during the week. I spoke to Rob Curtis during the week about it as well. They were as bummed as anyone about oh, I bet. about this happening. You know, they were, they were putting out fires all over the place and th- they sort of took the the decision as far as they like as far as they could before they knew that definitely couldn't happen and and look they're they they're they're getting back on board in 2022 it's just one year uh the east coast is going to be strong and one of the best things was in my chat with ryan burrows if you haven't listened to it yet episode 114 chasing kangaroos podcast in its original sort of uh interview format now that we've got these two formats mate um ryan mm-hmm. said that the combine on the west coast in vegas still did happen and a lot of the oh, East Coast teams were watching closely uh, to try and try and find some players, and I think the Cavalry in particular picked up one or two as well. So some of those guys still got a chance. It's funnily enough going to strengthen the East Coast Conference for 2021, and um, yeah, we just want the guys to get back on the field or, or get on the field. These new clubs, we want to see it happening in 2022. And mate, the other thing too is, I mean, if you told us, if you told me two months ago that there was going to be an eight-team North American semi-professional competition starting this year, I would have been really happy with that. And that's that's yeah. still what we're getting. Uh, the MLR, the rugby, the uh, Major League Rugby, uh, started with eight clubs as well, and they've grown like it's they've grown massively in the last four years. So look, we've still got it. It's still there. Is it as big as we were told it was going to be originally? No. But um, it's hard with COVID, man. If you, you, we, we said that right at the start. It's very hard. So, yeah. Yeah. When we first heard it, I thought the amount of teams was insane. It was, that you know, that would be the end goal, not the um, starting one. So I'm not at all surprised uh, or not at all disappointed that we're, we're getting eight. Eight's a great number still. I think we still get Cleveland Rugby League. We've still got the LA Mongrels. This New York Freedom team is also looking great. So I will correct. We're spoiled for choice. That's probably the problem. I will correct you. We do have the LA Mongrel, but they are in the California Rugby League. So that's and, and, oh, and they're not. But I am actually glad you mentioned that because California League, uh, California Rugby League, pretty much repping the West Coast now. Um, I, I spoke to Tom from Cali Rugby League earlier in the week to see what his thoughts were about it. He was pretty bummed, even though they weren't involved in the NARL. In his words, he sort of said the point because he he said it's not that we're the biggest fish in the West Coast pond now; it's that the pond is smaller than it should be this year. And he goes, ah. he goes, so that, like that's disappointing. He goes, but in saying that, they're announcing some of their action for 2021. They've got their summer nines happening soon. 
Uh, they've got their uh, the California Select versus Utah coming up soon as well. So they're ramping up. So I'm, I'm glad you did mention the LA Mongrel as one of the clubs in Cali, man. You, if you like watching rugby league, you've got to go around their socials because they're often pointing. Sorry, they're often putting up highlights of great tackles or great tries that they have, and they have such a great camera system. It's like they're filming the whole thing on a um, thing that flies around. What are those things oh, called? Oh yeah, like the it's not a flying fox, but what is it? It's like the yeah. What the hell? Anyway, something that's flying above them, <laughs> and it looks unreal. It looks it's a it's a real American way of looking at the game because it looks like how you would look at it if you were playing. Um, gridiron on a, on a video it's game. It's almost a drone shot. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like a drone. That's it, a drone. Um, and so it's fantastic to watch. It's, it's really interesting. Um, and so you should definitely get around get around that. Do you have, have you found a team now officially? I know you were talking about how you're going to stick with your um, your old team. Are you officially staying with your old team? I think I've got a, like, you know, I'm a loyal man, Big T. Uh, I'm very loyal. So I think I have to stick with the Brooklyn Kings on the East Coast. I'm, I, look, I'm loving yep. I have a soft spot for all of the clubs, but I've been a Kings fan since their inception. Um, I'm a Wolfpack fan since their inception as well. So while the Canadian Cup is separate, I'll probably support the Wolfpack there, even though I'm loving Ottawa as well. It's so hard, man. But yeah, I'm... I'm I know. You know, but, you know, we can love them all. We can spread the love around. But yeah, I think I'm a King at heart. It's, it's, it's spoil for choice and I love it. Speaking of being loyal to something, let's talk about the Samoan coach because Josh Papali is saying that he would turn his back on Maroons and not play for Australia to represent to, uh, Samoa um, tomorrow. Have you heard? Have you heard about this? Yeah, I read that. Hey, so that it's one of those stories that won't go away, and we haven't touched on it much on this podcast. But I'm glad you've I'm glad you've brought it up for this episode. So it all, of course, started when when Matty Johns um, announced yeah. on his show that he Andrew. Uh, brother Andrew and Sonny Bill Williams would love to coach the Samoan team at the World Cup this year, despite them having what a, coach a combination. Well, what, what a combination! But look, I love Matty Johns. Right? It kind of annoyed me that he would use his platform that way because it's kind of like, mm. hey, you know, like we haven't discussed this with anyone. We're not even sure how it would work at ourselves, but we want to do this. And and I, I feel like he sort of took advantage of his platform. And to me, it's like. To me, it's like everything wrong with how the NRL can treat International Rugby League sometimes. Like it treats International Rugby League like a bit of a science experiment. And um, I just didn't like how that came off. But in saying that, like great guys to have behind it. And especially, you know, obviously Maddie and Andrew, two of the best brains in rugby league. But Sonny Bill Williams, from a cultural perspective, if he's involved with this Samoan side in any way, shape or form, they're going to get the best possible team on the field that they possibly can just by having him there. So for me, I was kind of like, well, he's going to be involved in any way. He could even probably play if he wanted to. Like, remember, he was meant to still oh. be, well, it's still, he would still be in his second year of contract with Toronto Wolfpack if, mm. if the world was a normal place or what, or if it was normal as per a couple of years ago. So he, he would still be playing. I, I would love to see him actually like get it, get in some solid training and, and play the World Cup as like as an 18th man or something. It won't happen. But look, I guess the bottom line is any way that Sonny Bill could be involved would be fantastic. What Josh Papalihi or came out and said was he would play, he would turn his back on Australia and the Maroons tomorrow to represent Samoa, but he wasn't happy. He was concerned over the coach. 
And this is the big thing. A lot of the players have kind of voiced this, this Matt Parrish. And again, like I've got nothing against Matt Parrish. I've never met the guy, but he's, he's coached. I think his, his record at international level has been something like nine losses from 10 games or something ridiculous like that. Now, if he had that record, like if he was the West Tigers coach, he would have got sacked three or four times, like with a record like that. Like it's just, it's not, it's not great. And I just wonder why the loyalty is there from from the Samoan Rugby League and um, why they're sticking with him when so many players are turning back on wearing the jersey because he's there. It's just a strange one to me. Mm. I mean, he, ex-Bowman Tiger, Matt Parrish, uh, I should point out, there's always a link in there. Yeah, look, I'm not sure either because he, he did a little bit of coaching, I think, in England. Yeah. Um, and then since then he's been... I think, I think it's been since, like, 2013 he's been coaching Samoa. So, I mean, there has been a rise of Samoa um, in that period. How much of that is to do with coaching and how much of that's got to do with a real culture shift away from uh, some big-name players moving away from Australia and New Zealand and wanting to represent well, you know what's, Samoa might have something to do with that. You know what's weird, Big T? Jeff Tuvey was on the coaching staff at the Nines. I remember him there um, hanging around with the players and, you know, they didn't do great at the nines either, but they had uh, like an NRL standard at the time coach on their staff. And I'm not sure if he's still around or, or not, but I, I don't even think you need to be. It's kind of like origin level where sort of Mal Meninga, he wasn't like a yeah. traditional NRL coach or anything like that. But just when, you, when you've when you got a gun side at that level, you almost just don't need to be a coach. You're more there as a cultural fit. And that's where you know, some like a Sonny Bill Williams could work or something like that. But if you look at the potential side, like I'm pulling up like a Wikipedia page of, of potential Samoan players, right? And there's a lot of them there. I, I, there's a stat I read a couple of days ago that there are 86 people, players that could potentially represent Samoa. Um, and to put it in context, there's 84, this is in the NRL, sorry, to put it in context, 84 players could represent Queensland. So there are more players wow. that could rep some more than Queensland. And some of the players that are there, like you've got guys like um, Payne Haas, you know, who who he'd be playing for Australia. You've got guys like Dylan Brown, he'd be playing for New Zealand. You've got guys like Roger Tuovasashek, you know, he's going to be playing. I, I'm assuming his rugby union contract will kick in by the time we get to the World Cup. But let me run through some players, big man, because there's there's some guns there. You've got Josh Papalihi, obviously, who we've mentioned already. Um You've got Ronaldo Molotalo from the Sharks. You've got Tino Fasuamawali, who's obviously an absolute weapon. He'd probably be playing Origin this year. You've got Marty Tapao, mm. who's repped Samoa already. You've got George Tafua. You've got Nelson Osofa Solomona. Uh, you've got Chanel Harris Tavita. Um, you've got Ken Mamolo, Jazz Tavanga. Um, you've got, oh, this could keep going, Francis Molo. You've got Let's get to some. You've got Isaiah Papalihi as well, who's been an absolute weapon this year. Junior Polo. Um, let's get to some of the Panthers. St- uh, Stephen Crichton. Uh, yeah. Moses Leota. Uh, Jerome Luai, who said he'd want to rep Oof. Samoa. Charlie Staines. Brian To'o. Um, you go to the Super League, you've got... Holy shit. Man, you go to Super That's League. half of our New South Wales origin team you just named. 100%. Ricky Latelli over in the Super League could rep Samoa as well. Like, you've got a gun side. And... You know, when you when you put your 17 strongest together, it's a team that could win the World Cup this year. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like, they could win the World Cup this year with their strongest team on the field. And you just imagine that team opening the World Cup 
in game one against the host England, I can't think mm. of a better way to do it. Like, just incredible. And whatever happens, I hope they can get their shit together, work out the coaching issue, if it's Maddie or not, and just get the strongest Samoan team possible because I want I want another team that's capable of winning this World Cup this year. I don't want Matthew and Andrew... Um, I didn't. I, I don't want that combination. I think it's an amazing combination. Yeah. But I think it'd be unfair that a team already qualifies for the World Cup and then they change coaches. You know, in in, in that year, I, I don't think that's fair to the coach that got them there. Yeah. Um, I, I think you need to see some commit from your coach if you, if you want to then commit to them. So what I would love to see is actually somebody like Wayne Bennett, like what he did with England or um, New Zealand. Yeah. Because he's a re- <clears throat> he's a real culture guy, and so I would have. Wayne Bennett, and then there's a guy um, who follows him around who's currently working with the Panthers at the moment. I can't remember his name, but uh, he's a great trainer on the field. Yeah. He's also a New South Wales one. And then you also you have Andrew and Matthew maybe then as halves coach with Lulawai or, or trying to help set up some of that X and X and zero stuff that Wayne's not going to do. And then also have Sonny Bill in there for culture. So I don't think either any of them are head coaches and I don't think they can do it in a yeah. World Cup year. But if they're committed to it, I'd love to see them try and do, maybe not Wayne, maybe he's too old, but someone like what Trent Robinson's trying to do with France, I'd love to see some old head NRL um, guy going in and spending the next five years, like at the end of this World Cup, taking them for the next World Cup cycle, um, like Wayne, sorry, who, uh, Craig Bellamy, if he was happy to, to try and do that now that he's kind of finishing up with Melbourne... He goes and spends some time with Samoa, and then that would really change Samoa and the landscape forever um, of international football. And it would give it a real, like, the, kind of the opposite of what you were saying there before when you were saying the NRL kind of treats it as a science experiment. If we saw someone like Craig Bellamy commit four years to developing Samoan football, that would have a massive impact for, for you know, a decade. If we take it seriously, man, it would be huge and, like, we're talking about spectacles earlier, magic rounds and internationals and state of origins. Imagine the strongest Tongan side playing the strongest Samoan side every yeah. year. I ra- like, and I'm in the minority probably when I say this. I rather watch that than state of origin. And and people are calling me an idiot at home, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. But I rather watch that than state of origin. That's where I'm at. And yeah, not everyone's going to agree, but it's it could become could become a huge spectacle, I think. I think we can have both. Before I call you an idiot, I'm happy to you know what? thoroughly enjoy State of Origin yeah, right. and then also thoroughly enjoy... Yeah, um, let's have both. Why and not? if you think if you think Samoa can't get... If you think Samoa getting strong means that Fiji, Papua New Guinea, those kind of teams um, don't get strong, I, I think it would be the complete opposite. The stronger Tonga gets, they also then like have reach goals for all of those island nations, rugby league loving island nations around them. And it also puts some fire in New Zealand to try and make sure that they're also still the most other dominant team out here because they, they also lapse at times um, every year or two into maybe not well, not appearing to care as much, Yeah, which is sort of the same with us. But unfortunately for us, we have that um, daily given talent that even, you know, we could be down by 12 with eight minutes to go and then we have so many quality players we could pull it back. Whereas, yeah, I think if, if we see Samara or, or Tonga or any of those nations really start to fire up, it, it will finally... Um, you know, really juvenate some some stuff around this part of the world. Hey, when you say okay. us, do you mean Italy or who are you talking about? Oh, the kangaroos. You're talking about <laughs> the kangaroos. Sorry, <laughs> everyone's chasing us, mate. That's what the show's exactly whole basis is on. 
Now, look, I still don't want to get rid of golden points. They're obviously great. Yeah. Um, there is way too much news in the world um, to just ignore. Uh, we did some drill downs, but let's just fire off some things. But yeah, I know us. How do you want to do I it? know that when we say, hey, let's do some quick ones, what ends up happening is you tell me a, a golden point, I then ask you a question about it, and then, you know, operator Carboni launches into another <laughs> drill down. So you're going to get... You're going to get two minutes. Two minutes. Um, I'm going to put a timer on my phone. Is it? Just, I only get two minutes too. Just me, or so, is it ping pong? No, I'll do one. I'll do. I'll do some two. You'll probably end up doing more than me as normal, but you still only get two minutes. Even your extra ones only get two minutes. Each. Okay, so set the timer. Once two minutes runs out, that's yeah. it for golden points. I mean, I, I I don't know if you want this, but Merch yeah. will probably put a time sound behind us. Yeah, Merch time sound, <laughs> and we need like a buzzer <laughs> at the end or like a something. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, Merch, okay. do you think? Three, two, one. You're going to go first, by the way. Go. All right, Golden Point, Brazil, where the National Women's Grand Finalists have been decided. We've undefeated professional club Molina Rugby, defeating the Romandata side 57 to nil in their final. Uh, over in the other final, Victoria Rhinos uh, defeated the Moringa Hawks 25 to 16. So it's going to be a Victoria versus uh, Molina Grand Final, and I think Molina will be heavy favourites. Okay, minute and a half to go. Amazonian World Cup... Uh, Coach Paul Grundy will select his 40 women extended squad. It should be announced by the time this goes to air. So if you haven't seen it, check it out on all of our amazing socials. ChasingRoos.com is the best place. Beautiful. Our Golden Point Netherlands, where after 18 months of inactivity due to the coronavirus pandemic, Netherlands Rugby League has made plans for a return to action. Uh, They're going to have a three-week nines tournament beginning on 26th of June. Uh, and it will include a grand final with the top sides as well. So there's going to be the five existing clubs, Amsterdam Cobras, Den Haag Knights, the Champions, uh, the Hardwick Dolphins, Rotterdam Pitbulls, the Zwolle Wolves, and there'll also be a newcomer team, the Dorchet mm. Griffins, I probably pronounced that incorrectly, um, who will host the first round of round, round Robins. I spoke to Netherlands Rugby League's Matt Rigby last week. He was very excited about the new side, the Griffins. Um, it's a club that's been trying to get off the ground for a while. Uh, and now, finally, thanks to this nines format, they're going to get on the field, so it's awesome. Go Cobras. Uh, okay, I'm taking this to Clean Lemon. Amazing socials because the International Club Partnership News, the Penrith Panthers are throwing the support behind Monte Gladys, <laughs> the big, the blue tick himself, uh, Cleveland Rugby League. So there, now, the NRL Tabletop has released a video featuring a whole bunch of them like Brian To'o and, and Nathan Cleary saying that they love them. The NARL underdogs. Loved it. Love it. Uh, Golden 14 point, seconds. Uh, Wales and Ireland. Speaking of partnerships, the Flintshire Falcons from Wales and the Fourth Valley Vikings from Ireland have announced a partnership which will see the clubs engaging with the coaches and committees to support each other where possible. Uh, awesome to see more of these sorts of partnerships happening all the way around the world. Great. That's it. <laughs> but you, you can finish that one around the world. Great. That's our two minutes. Cubs, you nailed it. Is that I feel like you did talk longer than I did. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's your two minutes, but okay, that's I, okay. I'll, I'll, try and, you know I'll what? try and speed you up no, this time. You know what? I like that. We need to go faster. There's probably like five or six more golden points we could do, but we're going to say we're out of time. Uh, so check us out on the socials. You've got to go to – well, uh, my favourite place to go to is the Instagram page. So uh, I would go to at Chasing Roos at, uh, on Instagram, but there's also a Twitter thing. Uh, and there's also a fantastic website. And now uh, the operator, Uncle Carboni, writes an article about Golden Points as well, which you can also find on ChasingRoos.com. Um, the best spot to find all of your amazing Golden Points news. Because also you, I mean, you always found amazing Golden Points, but at the moment it's like two a day on the gram. It's amazing. At least two. Yeah. Well, it's whatever I can. It depends on how busy we are and what's happening around the world. So 
It's um we're we're very proud of the content at Chasing Roos and ChasingRoos.com. It's a little bit different to what you'd expect everywhere everywhere else. And uh, if you don't want to talk about uh, rule changes during Magic Round and you want to hear about other stuff, then it's definitely the place to go. Law interpretations, <laughs> please. <laughs> Sorry, ref. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Carbonara, that's all uh, That's all of the chaser I've got for this week, this fortnight, I should say. Uh, I think that format worked. I want to give it an, uh, at least a few more goes before we decide on whether or not it's got a lot, uh, whether we liked it or not. And I'd also love to hear from you, the fantastic listeners at home, if this is the kind of thing that you also liked, you're going to hear interviews every other week and you're going to hear us drill down. And look, also, I know you, you send Carbs and I golden points often, but if you see something big come out like that, one about the coaching things or or the thing about the extra expansion. Tell us, hey, guys, can this be a drill down? Can this be a bigger golden point? Can this be one of the big topics on the chases? Just so we also get a pulse of what you guys want to hear us talk more about. Um, there's some things that I know Carbs is going to know more about, so I'm going to squeeze the juice out of him those ways. But if there's also stuff that you specifically want us to, you want me to drill Carbs about, let us know on the socials. You can find Carbs on Twitter with Chasing Kangaroo at Chasing Kangaroos. It says Michael Carboni on the top. You can find me at The Biggest Tiger on all of the socials. And so hit us up about that. Carbonara, you got anything else to say before we wrap up, sir? I love it, man. This has been a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it with you again in a couple of weeks' time. Stay tuned for all of our interviews every week. They're not going away. This is just an addition to those. And uh, I'm looking forward to my Minus Coffee, mate. I'm looking forward to receiving the beans in the yeah. mail. Well, that's it. Enjoy your spot for another week. <laughs> Get around good people on the socials and we'll talk to you next time. Chasing kangaroos. And thanks for chasing kangaroos with us. Chasers is a podcast by Chasing Kangaroos Media. The show is sponsored by Minus Coffee. We are mixed and recorded by Paul Murchison. Our theme music is written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. We are hosted by me, The Biggest Tiger, and Michael Carboni. Views are our own. <laughs> <laughs>